legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is lost cast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 45. I'm Matt Hackett. I'm Jeff Blair. You know, sometimes there's just something about Monday. Like, we wanted to do podcast yesterday. I just was not feeling it. I was drained by the weekend. Yeah, sometimes even we get a case of the Mondays. It's funny, because, like, I feel like the weekend wears me out more than the week, you know? <laughs> well, the weekend's when we actually uh, catch up on all of our the rest of our lives. Yeah, and like as an introvert for me, I tend to be around people and, you know, out doing stuff more on the weekend, and so I have to like recharge. And a lot of times what I've noticed is like when we're in work mode on Monday, I just like that's that's my day off. That's where I'll just like, you know, take my time, make a long lunch meal and like play some games and only kind of peripherally work where I'm kind of maybe answering emails and tweeting and stuff, but not really like rolling my sleeves up and drawing some pictures or coding some stuff, you know? Yep. Plus, we've had some kind of other stuff on the table this last week. We're not yeah. able to talk about it just yet, but... Now, hopefully soon. We were, Yeah, that's another kind of frustration we had is we were supposed to have some paperwork finalized yesterday, and if, if we did, I think we could have talked about it. Like, it's in the interest of the project for us to be talking about it. It's not the kind of thing that... Once finalized, you'd want it to be private, but we'll probably have to figure out what we can and can't talk about. Yep. Um, but later on this month, if it all goes through, which it sounds like it will, but we'll see. Uh, later this month, we won't have to hide anything because it'll be very, very public. So secretive. What I could know. be happening? <laughs> anyway, um, so we've had a lot of different stuff uh, pulling us in different directions and... Um, so we haven't done a whole ton of work on Cryptron, but we did kind of do a little mini sprint last night to try to get some more features in there and make this in a more impactful alpha release. Yep. Um, I guess that's what I was getting at earlier, though, is like, uh, that's why we didn't release the podcast yesterday. Uh, on the forums, we were seeing that uh, it might, like, mm, I guess at night is a little better for some people just because of the time zone stuff, but I still think that, um, like, if we do it at night so that it's ready for people before... <laughs> like the threshold of that day ending it'll still probably have to be tuesdays because like mondays are just there's there's almost always too much stuff going on on monday for us to reliably take an hour record it and then take the another like i don't know half an hour to an hour it takes to like wrap it up and upload it and all that yeah it depends what's going on I mean, some mondays are easier than others but yeah. last one was was not one of the easy ones right right uh so uh, it's we the last podcast we posted with forty four was the one where we didn't do Crypt Run right. No, we talked about oh that was the podcast right before you moved. So we recorded oh, yeah, it early. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm moved now. So this is the first uh, Lost Cast, which I was going to say long cast, but that, that's not what a long cast is. <laughs> it's long distance cast, but right. <laughs> certainly not our first remote cast. No, we've been preparing for remote cast for quite a while. Yeah, we've had like almost every uh almost every interview we've had has been on long cast or eh, <laughs> that too but yeah a remote cast so maybe anyway. we should breeze through the alpha 7 changes too did we oh did we not do those i don't think we did a podcast oh, where we, we talked about it 
We knew that. Yeah, we should have. Uh, so we do have a lot, uh, like a big list here, because we knew that um, we we had, didn't get to cover it last week because we did. Um, so last last episode we talked about Spine and Spider, and then we went through the game dev bucket list. Uh, actually, one of the guys from uh, Spine uh, emailed me to like <laughs> address the issues I mentioned. It was kind of funny. Um, but yeah. I, that does kind of feel like a professional thing. Like the email was very professional and all that. And they have a, like, once again, like they were the ones who had a little bit more of like, um, you know, more professional business bow wrapped around their product. It's always interesting to me when people that we talk about on our podcast or products we talk about on our podcast, people reach out I'm like, yeah. really? <laughs> you listen to us? Well, for that one, uh, I doubt that they were prior listeners I, because when I tweeted the episode, I, I, um, Oh, you mentioned, mentioned them. them. Got it. Yeah, and like they they strike me as the kind of uh, business savvy people who would like they probably just listened to the little portion where it was fine. You know what I mean? Right, right. I don't that know. I always sense. i i I have so much empathy. I always just like put people in my head and like create them in my little simulation in my mind and like plant like hmm. I wonder how like what would I do in that situation or what <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. he feels about this or that. Yeah, it's exhausting yes. being an introvert. Uh, but yeah, we should totally do the Alpha 7 changes too because we haven't um, done those yet. So let's grip to it. Blast through them because they're old news at this point. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so this is an exciting one. Fix errors due to missing spawn count. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing errors is way sexy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. um, set up for shop debugging? I don't know what that means. Oh, sometimes I have these commits where like, um, so I'm going to work on something like say like the, the shopkeeper stuff, like the shopkeeper room, I need to tweak something. And then like, I'll realize that there's a bunch of stuff in the way and I need to like shove stuff around and like reorganize something. And that'll get me off on this little tangent. And then I have like this kind of medium sized commit and I haven't actually done anything. I've just like prepared for work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's, preparing for work is more work than actually doing work. Yeah, sometimes like I'm pretty sure this is that case because like I'm I think the shopkeeper thing I needed to change was something very simple like uh, maybe even a one-liner, right? But you just needed the environment to be able to actually test it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so re-added museum music. Yeah, so we merged in. Uh, so Joshua Morse does our audio, and he works in a branch called Josh Sound, and so we merged that in, um, kind of like on an as-needed basis, kind of piecemeal. Well, I mean we bring the whole thing in but we don't do it super often i kind of just wait for him to like like hey it's ready and then i do it anyway uh, so yeah i had a little art burst i did uh the royal dagger which i don't even know if that's in the game yet is that the game i think it drops in the crypt actually yeah i was yeah, uh, tweaking the loot tables in the crypt last night right right yeah so the royal dagger is only in the crypt and you can just get it in the shops and and sometimes it's a drop and stuff but it's uh it's kind of an interesting weapon it sort of has a critical hit uh it, and it kind of cheats because like critical hits are something we've considered um pro- like programming into the game but i uh, we didn't you know new features are expensive and you know features creep and all that so um the way it does it is end up backing huh? out those features yeah yeah exactly so uh so this one uses code that we already had because like it's just a thing that entities can do like i can drop another entity no problem and then now that explosions are entities it's easy just to drop an explosion so what it does is uh like 10 percent of the time or something it drops an explosion um right after it hits a monster so it's like a kind of like a critical hit hmm. i thought it was a pretty interesting way to to 
basically get the effects of a feature without actually programming that feature. It's a boom dagger. Yeah, kind of. Uh, only it blows up on monsters and not walls. It's kind of interesting. Right. Anyway. Um, oh, hey, I did do the art for Crystal Guts. I didn't know if I did that. Um, did so, yeah, art. we did the Dark Crystal, which is in the crypt, right? Yeah, I'm calling it the Blood Crystal. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that uh, I did it... Um, I made it red, but the problem was um, it was uh, it didn't look different enough from the sewer crystal. Oh, because the sewer crystal is orange. So, so let's walk through this process real quick. So, um, you had this idea for crystals, and you just one night just did it, like bam, done, and that was awesome. As I do, and then you just, you put it in placeholder stuff like you do, and then I came back um, just to you know kind of make production ready art, and. Um, in the sewer, which is very green, if you've been there, it's like, that's the whole intention is it's super green, right? It's all mucky. Yeah. Um, it didn't, like, the, the green crystal just kind of disappeared. It didn't really, like, it was in the center of the room, but it didn't really look, like, it didn't draw the eye, you know? So, I went to uh, one of Green's compliments. Orange is a good choice. So, I made the crystal orange. And, like, I was like, oh, that really popped, you know, that made it look really good. So, I just went with that. The problem was we had the blood crystal in the crypt, and that one being red, um, it looked a whole lot like the other crystals. So I was like, okay, what else could we try? And so I tried uh, purple, which I thought looked pretty cool with the um, the gray background of the crypt. It actually works out well, too, because it ends up that when I was designing that encounter that uh, there's a lot of red. I put a lot of blood on the floor, and there's oh, a nice. lot of red from the lava. Right. So it's good to contrast there as well. Yeah, yeah. So next I did a huge amount of uh, weapons and equipment and stuff. Like you had put in a whole ton of um, like sets of weapons and equipment I in did, the yeah. game quite a while ago. And you did all your um, your placeholder stuff. And so, it looked awesome if I do say so myself. I know. I, we'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll sh- we should take your placeholder stuff and we should make them hidden items in the game. Right. <laughs> and we'll call them like, like janky armor. <laughs> So next, you fixed typo, another sexy change. Wait, let's talk about item graphics more. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you want to say? I don't know. <laughs> I think they what look really good, actually. I oh. like the the demon set quite a bit. So oh, when thanks. we originally... Uh, to these together i was just kind of like here's armor and more armor and speed armor and i didn't really have a lot of thematics around them right right uh so i like the direction you took the attack boost gear yeah um basically what i did was i created a base like I, that's uh that's what i like to do like that's what i did with the naked man i talk about oh i got this template for like what a character should look like and uh mm-hmm. so i like to start and build out especially since it's like it makes it easy to cut corners so like the um i made leather boots <laughs> right and Nothing then like the cutting uh, corners oh yeah good stuff the uh well it's like it's it's one of the ways in which we can move faster you know like we need to be moving as fast as we can right um so yeah the the, the steel boots are really just leather boots with like steel plates i put on the front I have like to that. ask on the boots though. Why are why are the boots sometimes angled different different directions? Just just to make them look different. Um, I see. One thing that I'm like I like when graphics look different, but also I'm aware that if there's nothing but color differences, then some people might not be able to tell the difference because they have uh, like some version of color blindness hmm. or similar. And so even if it's just slightly different, I like to just kind of like tweak things a little. 
I see. Yeah, I think the default uh, positioning of the boots is what looks best. And then sometimes they're a little angled. They might not look quite as good, but I think it helps to differentiate them visually. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, nerf dagger and triple dagger damage. So that, that's one that uh, was suggested on the forums, uh, especially for dagger. And uh, I didn't even know that was that fix was in until I was using daggers one time. And I noticed it changed the way that I play because like, I would just time it out where, like, let's say there's a um, a bat, for example. There's, like, this... You know, basically, you do the math, and, like, there's a, there's a cooldown for your weapon. You can go, like, you know, fire, fire, fire. And you know, if you know how much damage it's going to deal, you can kind of know how much distance you need to put b- between yourself and the owl before it'll smack into you once you attack it. Right, yeah. And so that completely, like, decalibrated my... my <laughs> how I play with the <laughs> dagger, you know? So I'd, like, like, I didn't even know that change was in, and I run up, and I'm like, oh, owl, no problem. I hit him three times, and then he just smacked into me, and I'm like, what the... <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be dead. Yeah, so that was kind of fun to find. Uh, so what'd you do there? You just... It sounded like you just have the damage... I did. I just have the damage. Cool. So it's, it's, I think it's good because the daggers, uh, they're fast. They already shoot faster. So yeah. now that they have, they're still better than swords, DPS wise. Okay. So you did the DPS math. Yeah. Cool. They're much more in line with everything else now. And the triple daggers can... are still better because there's three of them. Right, right. Uh, the thing that's interesting about daggers, though, is that you don't always hit the same target with two, right? So it's. But it kind of lends, it kind of, um, it puts them more in the realm of like having their own feel. Like daggers mm-hmm. aren't, they used to be like great for single and multiple targets. Right. But now they're not as good for single target anymore, which is, I think, good. Because that yeah. should really be the realm of spear and, and sword. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what Jeff's talking about is like, say you have the daggers and you go and you fight in the, uh, sorry, in the cemetery, you go and fight the Lich Lord boss. Um, you're sitting here chucking daggers into his gut, but like he's only getting hit by one of the two because the first one hits him and he gets this uh, grace state, which means he can't get hit again for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And the other dagger just passes through him harmlessly. And so in it, other, like, with other monsters, you might not even hit them with the second dagger because they're small. Right. Yeah. right. So they're, I think they're a more um, distinctive weapon now. And we did that to make them more interesting because otherwise, like previously, it was just like, Daggers, sure, whatever. I don't even care. They're just so damn good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you have to think about them uh, in the similar way that you would be like, you need to make the decision, like, uh, is this a spear uh, kind of scenario that I, I'm going to go into? Like, do I want that? Do I want the axe? That kind of stuff. I Free think triple dagger still feels pretty good, so. Cool. Um, so, Zora and zora 2 are um sewer monsters that come out of the sewage and spit at you they were a little wonky uh because even when they were under the water and you couldn't see them they were still counted as monsters and so the doors wouldn't open up and that felt a little bit like a bug sometimes because you'd be walking around in the sewer and the doors aren't open and you don't see any monsters anywhere and you're like what gives and then zora would pop back out and you're like oh okay there's a there's a monster <clears throat> so i think as a quick fix you just took off monster role from them i did yeah i think we'll probably add that back on for when they're surfaced my problem with that though was that i didn't want them to feel like um i guess liches have this problem too uh where one sec (laughs) (laughs) fighting cold that's awesome 
I was just Anyways. watching your face. You, you made one of those great like sneeze faces. I guess you can't see that on the podcast, but <laughs> I right. was like, you, you were talking and you started to trail off. And then you made this crazy face, and I was. Like, <laughs> uh, it's like, is he having a stroke? What's going on? <laughs> it just like those faces usually just look like kind of angry and psychotic, like because because <laughs> like your eyes are all squinty and your face is like ah like a snarl before you sneeze. You know. <laughs> Yes. An alien pops out of your chest. Like, ah! <laughs> anyway, yes. you were talking about blah, blah, or something. Something. Uh, oh, I was talking about how lich, the liches, uh, when they phase back and forth, they cause the doors to open and close. All right. And I thought that might be annoying for Zor, which is why I didn't enable it right away. But it is kind of wonky that they're up and they don't force you to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so that's a good change. It's a it's a easy fix and it's a um, good fix. We might go back eventually and make it so that they are monsters and they're above ground. But man, whatever. Man, whatever I say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, then we added fatigue. <laughs> in, uh, oh yeah, that was in stereo. the yeah that was eight days ago. Wow, we added. Can you believe that? Because I mean, we'll get to this soon, but we we cut it. Let's see. Uh, it don't wait. Was it only in the game for three days? No. It was like in the it's almost a week. Wow, still. That's uh, that's pretty fast. That's or good. Or it doesn't fly, one of the two. That's good for prototyping, you know? Like that's how fast we should be able to move. Like get a feature in there. And do we like it? No, okay, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Die. Um what else? Unlight webs. Yeah. The webs just they didn't need to have lights on them. As pointed no. out in the forums. Yeah. Um, let's see. We had some more polish with the quest bangs. Uh, we fixed the health bar for Zora sticking around when he was submerged. Oh, yeah. That was a surprising. CSS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Zora monsters, uh, if you have the monster manual, um, when you hit them, they have health bars. And the way the code was working uh, was Azora would just disappear, and he would just say, like, you know, I'm I'm invisible. Don't don't mind me. But his health bar would stick around because he was still just hanging out there. And we were experimenting with some... Like, we already had a setting called, like, you can show a health bar on me if you want. But that had a purpose of, like, you know, you don't, you don't want to see a health bar on, like, a chest. Like, who cares? You know, but you definitely want to see it on, like, a monster or, like, a mushroom trap, that kind of thing. So we had, you know, we, we could have made another setting, another property on there, but it co- probably would have been um, a confusing, confusingly named. Like, it wouldn't have been as clear which one did what. And so we, we looked to our web development background. We looked to CSS, and it was like, what if we... Because, like, it's a common trick in, um, in CSS is, like, if you want to get an element out of your way, or if you, like, there's some text in an, in an element in the DOM, and you want to get it out of the way so you can put an image there instead... It's a very common thing to kick it off into the nether worlds and like minus, you know, minus X axis and minus Y axis is like in CSS world, that's off the page and you can't see it and it's completely inaccessible. And so we use that uh, <laughs> to inspire a fix here. And that's what Zora does now is he, there's no setting, no complication crap there. He just goes off into a place where you can't see him. Yeah. Once he submerges, uh, his entity then goes like way the hell off the screen. It's pretty interesting because if it wasn't for our web development backgrounds, we probably would have solved that in a probably like like a more error prone way. I think. Yeah, probably. Pretty interesting. 
anyway uh there were some bugs with the darkness stuff like oh no i'm going backwards here but still yeah i guess we fixed that there was like um uh whenever you die and went back to a room like they would persist so like the the style of what the world looks like um wasn't correct oh um, yeah 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 Oh, well, yeah. So, the werewolves had all kinds of problems. Um, like, they would moonwalk sometimes and, like... <laughs> so, the way they're supposed to work is they're supposed to just walk the perimeter of the room. They basically just walk straight until they hit something and then turn right. Um, but if they ever... If you ever get close to them on the axis, um, they'll respond to you by, like, firing at you. Like, they, zoom, like, charge at you. And uh, <laughs> this weird thing was going on where sometimes they would have, um, I don't know how, but they would start to walk at an angle. And it's, <laughs> it was really jarring in the game because it's supposed to be like a, like, a, like a purely designed game. And so you can see a werewolf on the opposite side of the screen and you're like, okay, I, you know, like you, you've got him in your sights and, and you, you're planning around him. And I'd be sitting here like, okay, the werewolf's in the bottom right, so I'm fine. I'm just going to fight these bats and I can wait until he... And then all of a sudden he would just like make a beeline straight at me, walking <laughs> at an angle, like like upper left. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Where like that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was pretty broken. Uh, and the whole problem was just that they had um, the flocking setting. Right. Which is uh, something you built into the game, which I don't fully understand still. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. It could probably work better, but uh, the gist of it is is that the flocking code will make something, it'll nudge things in a different direction uh, away from other flockers based right. on some kind of distance setting. Yeah. Uh, and the problem was is that the werewolf, whenever he walked into another flocker, it would kind of send him off in a different direction away from that flocker. But the way the flocking code works is that it just kind of sends him in that direction. And if they right. don't ever reset their own direction during that, like after that, uh, they'll just keep going in that direction. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's great for things like zombies, which kind of recalculate their position every so often. Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, good for werewolves or slimes or anything like that. Yeah, because werewolves just put themselves on a course. They're like, I'm just going to walk straight. I don't care. And then if something nudges them in a direction, they're like, here I go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going this way now. Great. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really need flock anyway. So, no. Yeah, things that have a very specific trajectory rarely need flocking. Flocking is is almost exclusively useful for things that have a tendency to bunch up when chasing the player. Yeah, it's it's fantastic for zombies. I remember the first time you introduced flocking was probably months ago at this point, but it was so great because like um, when you were fighting multiple zombies, they would you know if you're kiting them, they would all just combine into one super zombie. <laughs> that sucked because mm -hmm. it was like really hard to. You couldn't tell how many there were. You're just sitting here just throwing swords into this <laughs> endless <Abyss. laughs> endless mass of zombies. Yeah. Onslaught um, and Arena then, had that problem as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, you introduced this very simple thing where they just kind of like shove each other around and it was extremely effective and it totally made groups of zombies awesome. So, kudos. Um, so then we double-dragoned uh, the new mimic interaction. So... Uh, about a month ago or who knows <laughs> a period of time earlier uh chests in krypton you just shot them to open them and um that was kind of weak sauce because of a bunch of reasons anyway we introduced an interaction mechanic so now you can hit the uh the face one button or the space button to interact with things and that's how you open chests now uh, but we never went back and made mimics work with that so we did that now when you um interact with the chest it's either gonna like shake and open or it's gonna like Rawr, like its mouth is going to open and like spit particles shoot out and you better get the hell out of the way because there's basically no weapon in the game that can kill it fast enough before so you won't have to dodge so 
Now every normal chest is a potential mimic. Yeah, the, I really like the whole chest and mimic redesign. It it's a lot more fun. Yeah, than it's shooting much them. better. The mimics um, still need some kind of delay though, because they they basically engage you immediately upon opening. Should what were you thinking for that? Just some kind of delay, so it's not like you actually have time to get out of the way before they attack you. Wait, I thought there was a little bit of a delay. No, mm, maybe it needs to be more. Yeah, maybe it just needs to be more. I, th- I thought there was one, so that might be as simple as changing a number. Sweet. Hopefully. Either that or slow. One of the two. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yes. Um, so for a long time now, there's been a bug in the game where the player uh, would get sucked out of a door, um, like backwards or whatever direction. And uh, that was really bugging me because uh, I couldn't find the bug in the code. You know what I mean? Uh, like I would look at the code and it looked right. I was like, it's, it's, it's telling the, the person or the, the entity to face this direction. I don't get it. The problem was, is there's, um, the input stuff is kind of tricky with regards to like showing what direction to face and stuff. So basically what was happening, like if you were attacking, uh, attacking Trump's moving and that's good. Like it, we want to do that. So like, let's say you're moving left, but you're attacking right. Mm-hmm. Your character is facing right and throwing and animating throwing weapons to the right, and we want that. So basically, all I had to do to fix that was it was pretty much an easy one-liner. Once I found out what the actual problem was, is when you visualize uh, player exit room or whatever, it also just turns off the attack flag because hmm. you're like that's what it was doing before. Is it was like okay, you want to face left? Well, that's fine, but you're actually attacking right, so you're going to face right, and then you'd exit the door backwards, <laughs> and it looked like you got uh... sucked through this portal. So if you were like exiting the door while you were attacking, that would happen, right? Yes. And once I figured out that was the problem, it was because I I, I, did, I didn't know what the problem was. I would be like, I can't figure out why. Like sometimes you exit the door and it does face the right way, and sometimes you don't. Like I couldn't figure it out, you know. Uh, but if you hold down the attack in a direction, it's um, it, it was really easy to duplicate. And uh, I guess that's just something that's not terribly common. Like usually you go through and you clear out a whole room and all the monsters are gone, and so it's very rare that you're attacking while you're exiting you know right, i think yeah. that's why it took a while to find interesting hooray for one line fixes that take yay all kinds yeah. of time to debug yeah they look you look at the commit log and you're like geez matt took you three hours for this one liner you suck <laughs> it's like <laughs> no it was hard anyway it took me all day um blah blah fixing some things lots of fixing Oh, I made a change to uh, the way that the model or simulation works with regards to the time modeling. I uh, started breaking down the ticks into steps. So uh, if the simulation receives a large time delta, uh, it'll break it down into several steps, and the steps have like a very uh, discrete value. So So this is something we've had in prior games. Uh, Was this an Onslaught Arena? It was, wasn't it? Mm, Probably not. Hmm. It feels like something that is almost <laughs> mandatory because, like, if, if you don't have it, then there are these edge cases that are going to happen where... It's almost um, mandatory with the kind of, like, collision checking we do. Yeah. So, um, let's explain this if people aren't familiar. So, it's like um, when your game ticks and it has time-based modeling like ours does, on average, like in Chrome, you're going to have, you know, it's 16 milliseconds between ticks. And so, there's a very... Like, let's say you're moving a weapon... Uh, and you want to pass over pass over a wall, right? Like you you want to go to the left and you want to hit the left wall. That's what the weapon wants to do, right? 
So it'll go move a little bit, move a little bit, move a little bit, and each time it just moves a tiny bit, and so the collision is going to work reliably. But if for some reason um, there's a large tick, say if your computer kind of locks up a little bit, or you switch tabs and come back, like we get we get around that. But there's a lot of different ways for your tick for you to have a large tick, and your and your program doesn't get um, to run again for a while, right? Mm. So at that point, what could happen is like, let's say there's a second instead of 16 milliseconds. That's quite a big difference, right? So mm. your sword basically seems like it teleports like a long distance. And what can happen then is it passes right through walls, right through monsters and just out into the abyss. And that can create all kinds of problems. Cause like if that was a monster moving, all of a sudden he's off in the abyss and you can't get access to him and the doors won't open if, since you can't hit him, you know? So it can cause lots of problems. Um, and the way that you solved it is like so you you step through each tick right like if you if you have a long tick that's like a second long you instead of just applying that as it is you'll walk through that time right right yeah so i think that i set the tick step at 16 milliseconds which is kind of what we want it to be so as long as your tick is 16 millisecond milliseconds there's only going to be one step per like simulation update right but it kind of it keeps um track of the extra and it right. doesn't the way I implement it this time is a little bit different than other times. Um, what I used to do is I used to, like, if you let's say you had uh, 20 milliseconds of delta time and the step was 16, I would say, okay, do a 16 millisecond step of the simulation and then a 4 millisecond step of the simulation. Um, I'm no longer doing that with this implementation. What I'm doing now is if you get a 20 millisecond step, I do a 16 millisecond step of the model and then I keep the four milliseconds around and next and you, frame i add the delta time and do it again oh i see interesting so you kind of you take care of one step that's about the size you'd expect and you postpone the rest yeah so but if you get a delta time it's like 32 milliseconds then you're going to do two ticks at a time i see two cool. model ticks at a time nice so it kind of like adds up and then it catches up to itself later that's good stuff that's a good fix like it uh it removes a lot of problems we'd otherwise have you know yeah it fixes a lot of collision issues i know there's still some other ones but yeah it's a pretty fundamental uh fix good stuff it, it should be a big difference for people playing on slower computers yeah yeah definitely like things are just less breaky overall right because if you're running at 30 frames per second that means your ticks are probably like you know 30 or 40 milliseconds uh, like 30 milliseconds or something yeah, yeah. So that would probably be, it's much more prone for that kind of stuff to happen. Warping right. around and stuff. Um, so our scripts that we write for our, for our uh, artificial intelligence behaviors, um, it's kind of interesting because like when we first started writing them for this game, we were doing everything pretty simply where it was just like, I'll just fire a warning event when I want to warn about something and I'll just fire like an attack event or whatever. And we're kind of moving more towards now like a phase-based approach. Um, and one way in which this, uh, like the, the new direction <laughs> has value is um, it manifested in a bug with the mimics. So because chests and mimics share very similar behaviors and, and they're like some of the same files, um, <laughs> this was a kind of funny bug. After I did the new mimic tweaks, um, when you walked up to a chest and opened it, it would... Uh, so it fired the warning event basically, and it was um, 
it didn't differentiate. It was like, okay, so I'll warn it as a mimic and I'll warn it as a chest. And so <laughs> when you open the chest, it would go on this big, like a mouth would appear, right? But then it would do the chest opening polish where it, like, like his mouth flew off to the side. So yeah. it was like this mimic went and they just like died or something. It looked Did really wonky. Him? It made me laugh the first time I saw it. Uh, it's the perils of reuse. Yeah. So now it's uh, phase based. And so there's like a, you know, a warning phase and when that happens it shows the mimic stuff and then there's the opening phase or something and that's when it shows the opening so yeah there's no more uh collision there awesome yes so uh, you removed random blocks yeah we had these layouts called random random blocks and they were basically just it would walk over a room and it would randomly place blocks uh 10 percent of the time in any given square and that's usually fine, but what would happen sometimes, very occasionally, was that it would create um, like a blocked off section. So it would create the situation where there was an empty tile surrounded by four blocks on the orthogonal axes. Right. And even more rare would be that the generator would then choose to put a monster inside that blocked off square. Yeah. Uh, which would then break the game because you couldn't kill it and it couldn't escape and the doors would never open and you were done. I think I actually found that one because there was a uh, an owl with exactly four blocks placed around it, and he was completely <laughs> inaccessible. It was kind of fun because it was a great owl, and it was an owl room. It was an owlery. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and so there was this great owl just sitting here in this little hole, this little one-by-one one pit. And I was like, I was beating the crap out of his owl friends, and he was just in there freaking out. <laughs> He's just like, he kept trying to charge at me, but he was bouncing off the walls. He was so angry, but he couldn't do anything about it. That, looks, that sounds like it looks hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I wish... Uh, Maybe someday I'll have time to work on that owl polish. I really, when they're flying around and all angry, I really want feather particles to be shooting out. It should be pretty easy. I bet that won't take you more than an hour. I yeah, I know, but like these days when I have like, I'm like, oh, I have an hour. Like, there's there's so much stuff that has to be done. I just want to focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Because like we can ship without feather particles. It's fine. But no, we just can't. really, <laughs> it's a okay. blocker. That's right. <laughs> Showstopper. Yes. Um. So blah, we did some inventory or UI crap. Uh, I'm actually going to work with uh, Andrea, um, my wife, this weekend to work on um, user interface. So she's a uh, user researcher, and then um, she's just taking some college courses and stuff on interface design. And she actually did the interface design for uh, Warhead back when this was a real-time multiplayer game, and I thought that was pretty good. She had some interesting ideas, mm -hmm. um, like ways of getting things out of your face and better ways of displaying data. We actually used like that uh, menu concept she had for Warhead in Lava Blade. Lava Blade. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's like it's off to the side. It's really great for a game like Lava Blade because um, you don't have to like. There, there's no reason to pause the game or anything. Right. Yeah. Like you don't need this big thing that covers up everything. Like it's just this little thing to the side. It's like do you want to quit? Do you want to mute sound? Like what? There's just two things you can do. Right? And it was great for Warhead because since it was real time, you really can't pause. Like yeah, because like the way that we playing, first, <laughs> yeah, we we just we put this giant menu in your face, and it was like, yeah, I mean, we can't. It's a real time multiplayer game, so we can't like pause the model. So it's like, yeah, behind this menu, you're getting your ass kicked. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so then when it was off to the side, it was like you could hit the menu button, but still play and dodge and all that. Yep, it was much better. Uh, so you uh, grudgingly nerfed bone pile health. I did grudgingly grudgingly but i think it's better 
That's so good. that's Alpha 7. Right. So that's so that what everybody's played. To last week. Yeah, so everyone played, so. Yeah, so that's what everybody played last week, uh, if you got the Alpha. And if not, um, we're still selling the Alpha, early Alpha access. We'll get, we'll get more of that later. Yep. Um, so Alpha 8, here begins that. Um, mimic wander tweak i don't even know what that is man my commit messages could could use some work <laughs> uh looking at the diff it looks like changed animations actually oh i think you made it kind of like tilt back and forth as it wanders around oh yeah um that was that was it um the it, it that makes it sound like behavior mimic wander tweak but no yeah. it was it was really just polished stuff so i didn't really change the behavior he still wanders and all that but um i added it so that like when he's attacking you he's got this animation where his mouth is like mom, 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 mom. But when he's just wandering and he's not really like aggroed or whatever, he just kind of rotates back and forth. And instead of biting, he's got this kind of like his mouth just kind of just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) can I, can I just, can we do sound, sound effect cast? (laughs) We don't actually say any words. It's just (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Mumble cast. Mumble cast. Um, So yeah, I, uh, I took a stab at um, stamina and uh, you didn't dig it. I didn't, but no one really digs stamina in general, so. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we'll get to that. It's interesting. That's, I think that you and I uh, both had very, uh, maybe even uh, us and the community at large, we all had very different ideas about how stamina and fatigue should should be in the game. That's the problem with stamina is um, it can have all kinds of, of different, um, like, like valid approaches, you know? It's like, oh, well, I want the approach where you can run a whole lot, um, but it never, you never just get your stamina back. You have to like eat food to recover or something. It's like, okay, I get that. And it's like, uh, I want the effect where you can only run in short bursts and your stamina recovers really fast. So you just have to use it, um, smartly. It's like, okay, that's valid. And like, there's, I don't know. It's, it's tough to like point in an example and be like, that's what we want. So like, I can't think of anything like that. Um, yeah, and it kind of felt like from the very beginning like a Band-Aid, but it did have the, the high potential to be like, oh, this is a feature that could be pretty easy and have a big payoff. But we never I was quite kinda, got there. I was kind of going for the Dark Souls feel of running. Hmm. Where like I you could you've... run pretty often, but you couldn't do it for a very sustained period of time, but it didn't take too terribly long for it to come back to a point where you could use it again. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't play that one terribly much. I think you had a more concise idea for how that should feel than I did either way though it was kind of like a band-aid for a different feature that we added hastily (laughs) yeah which was running running yeah yeah um i might as well just talk about that now so we actually ended up cutting fatigue and stand or stand running actually so i I think that that's the the interesting change there is that we took both of those features out because fatigue slash stamina was really just a way to temper running as a feature like running was just way too powerful it had lots of problems like it devalued um speed gear quite a bit uh yeah. it changed just the whole dodging mechanics of the game yeah and it without stamina or fatigue running was pretty lame because it just felt like one of those things where you just have to hold the button down the whole damn time you play kind of right. like um like i used to play super metroid that way i think you can actually turn toggle that though like those kind of games um, often have a feature where you can toggle like the default is running and you hold down the button to go slower. Mm-hmm. 
And like, um, those are just better for side-scrolling platformers because they require a lot more precision, precision as you deal with gravity. And when so like, because gravity isn't, uh, <laughs> doesn't exist in Krypton really. Um, right. there's less reason for you to need that kind of precision. Yeah. It was suggested that we create more hazards that would be problematic as you run, but, uh, in a game like Krypton, that's more difficult than a game like say Spelunky. Yeah, it definitely is. The, uh, some of the items that we have is, or uh, the things that would imp- that would make you want to run is like, for example, spike traps. It's useful to like run past them or like outrun them or whatever. But there's not a whole lot else in the game. Long story short, is like we introduced it because we thought it would be easy and cool. And I think if we <laughs> if we had a longer runway or if we were the kind of developers where we can just take our time and release when we feel like it's ready. I think that we probably would have kept it in and just continued to tinker with it over a period of time. But as it is like, you know, (laughs) we're, we're in October here. And and so like anything that's not pretty fleshed out and stable, we just, we're cutting it be gone. I can see it being something we introduce later on as like, it might manifest itself as just a major speed buff item or something. Yeah, maybe, um, that or crypt run (gasps) two. Yeah. No. Yeah. Maybe not. Crypto and two uh, is basically what we call the giant bucket of ideas that we're never going to do. Probably, yeah. <laughs> It'd be great to do a sequel someday. We've never worked on a sequel, have we? Uh, we've, we've we've only worked in these games we would call spiritual successors, right? Yeah. But I would like to do a proper sequel someday. That'd be kind of cool. I think the problem with proper sequels is that we're way too interested in new mechanics. You know, yeah. A proper sequel would be like same game with just a bunch of new content and maybe one or two new mechanics. Yeah, so that, that's why I think that's a really good candidate is because it can be like, oh, okay, if nothing else, Crypt Run 2 uh, has running and fatigue or stamina or whatever. I would actually like to see Crypt Run 2 with like secondary abilities, like magic spells you can Definitely. use every so often or something. Yeah, like an inventory where you can like select, okay, I want to use my ice magic or like I want to use my fire magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do that right now. Here we go. Crypt Run 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, Out in 2015 yikes or something uh so right now in the crypt run alpha and alpha 8 you can hit uh, the enter key or the select button i think to uh bring up a completely useless menu called stats that doesn't do anything but if you check the log you've got it tells you some stats <laughs> so that's Hooray. one of the things my wife's gonna help with is like getting those stats into the ui we're thinking something along the lines of like um you know the outline of a person and it can show you what you have in your hand what you have in your head that kind of thing it's just, yeah, it's going to be a more useful display of what items you have and where those items are equipped. Because yeah, right yeah. now, it, it doesn't, the current UI doesn't do a very good job of differentiating between, like, what's just your kind of, like, these are the things you're carrying that have passive effects, and, like, these are the things you have equipped to a certain slot, and if you pick up something else, it will replace that item. Right. Uh, so we're going to do, like, a paper doll-style display of your equipped items, and then you know, kind of a list of all the other things that are just kind of in your general inventory, like Abacus or Monster Manual or something. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, hopefully also a larger mini-map display. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, shows definitely. the whole dungeon at one time. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's, uh, you have to get an item to show you that. You have to get the better map, map two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Magical map. The uh, so next glass. Use, yeah. So you added some layouts to the crypt. Uh, I did, although I'm not using one of them right now. So I added this one called Stripes, which is like 
some kind of diagonal stripey block patterns across the room. But um, it's actually really difficult to get that to work well with randomly sized rooms as many of uh, many problems we have with the randomly sized rooms is that yeah. sometimes uh, trying to make a layout that's fluid to a, a variable sized room can be very difficult. And this is one of the layouts where it's exceptionally difficult um, because what ended up happening, like I, I did it and I prototyped it like in a very statically sized room and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I really love this layout and I tweeted a picture of it and I was super happy with it and I committed it. And then I started playing around with it and I was playing with the crypt and I generated in the crypt and then I was running into these rooms where it was like the diagonal stripes were actually uh, meeting in the middle and causing <laughs> a complete divide of the room. Hmm. Or uh, they were too close to each other and, and having the same net effect. Um, just because of like the different sizes and like, you know, sometimes they're like thin and tall rectangles and sometimes they're short and wide rectangles and sometimes they're perfect squares. And so, uh, it was really difficult and I tried all kinds of different ways of like offsetting the stripes to kind of get them to work well with the variable sized rooms, but I couldn't quite get it to the point where I was really happy with it. So did you end up one, cutting stripes? Huh? Did you cut stripes? Well, it's still in the code. It's just none of the dungeons are actually using it. Oh, I see. I might use it as like the pattern for a very specifically sized rooms. So like some of the scenario rooms we have are very specifically sized. Like gotcha. this room is like, it's always like 13 by 11 or something. Right, right. So I'm, I might do a specific room in the crypt. Um, maybe like one of the scenario rooms like, oh, this is the death knight room and the death knight room has the stripes pattern and it's sized such that it works well. Right. Um, then I did a, I call the center big block room layout, which is just a big block of blocks in the middle of the room. And that one actually does scale really nicely. It's always, um, a fourth of the size of either axis. So it's always a quarter of the room wide and a quarter of the room tall in the middle of the room. And it nicely, um, centers itself for evenly and odd size rooms. Nice. So that's in the crypt. Uh, oh, and then I worked on a new spike ball trap. This thing was a lot of fun. I love this thing. Basically, I took the uh, Skeleton King's swinging mace and I just anchored it to a little tile in the room. And that's a, now it's a trap in, this, in the crypt. Was that pretty easy to do? Oh, super easy <laughs> to do. The hardest nice. part actually was like fixing some of the visual bugs. Um, like when you initially, like when a room transition happened the chain wasn't lined up with the base correctly and stuff like that. That was the hardest part of the whole thing. I'm looking forward to polishing that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So those are pretty fun. I like those. And I created a spike room scenario in the crypt, which is like um, a bunch of spike traps in the corners and then like the spike, the rotating spike balls in the middle. Um, and then there's kind of webs all over the place to make it slow down. So it's pretty fun. Nice. You kind of have to navigate your way around. Fun stuff. I like that too because it's like, uh, it feels very different because um, almost nothing else in the game moves in a circle. So it yeah. feels very different. Because like most uh, monsters are kind of on a grid. If they're, and if they're not on a grid, they tend to stick to one axis or another. Yeah. So those being circular items um, feels very different from other things. So it's good. Yeah, they do. And they just, they add a nice, like, interesting ambiance to the game. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'll say the next thing we did was we just talked about what we cut, uh, running and fatigue. Just yeah, yeah. nuked him from orbit. 
Yep. Only way to be safe. Wait, for sure. Right. <laughs> um, so I added the uh, an urn to the crypt. Uh, did some quick art. And then, uh, so urns are basically just barrels, uh, except the way we're going to approach them is they're a little bit more fragile. So they only have 10 health. Like you can pretty much hit them. They're kind of one hitters unless you've got a weak weapon. Um, and they are more likely to have a monster. And they're also more likely to have a rare item. Or at least that's what we're going to do eventually. <laughs> I don't know if that's true yet. Um, what's true right now is that they're more likely to have monsters, and the monsters they do have are dead monsters. Oh, interesting. So they yeah, always spawn, cool. like, uh, skeletons or red skeletons or ghosts. That makes sense, because it's an urn. Right, yeah. And, like, there's a soul or whatever in an urn, but, like, a bat wouldn't really want to hang out there. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of playing with it, and I was like, well, let's see, ogres and things like that. The, all the big monsters in the crypt don't make sense to come out of an urn. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> death knights maybe but and then i was like oh skeletons great yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah those that's cool perfect. um uh, so then you did some things and some stuff <laughs> i redistributed some of the dead monsters around so we're kind of uh, taking a different approach to some of the realm of the dead or the dark plane content uh in that we're going to create less new monsters that exist like completely as dark plane monsters um instead we're gonna add some more behavior dark plane only behavior to other monsters um and so in preparation for that i kind of spread out the current crop of dark only monsters across uh, the various dungeons so now skeletons are in the cemetery red skeletons and skeletons are in the sewer and ghosts red skeletons and skeletons are in the crypt nice as well as bone piles traps in all three so, so as an example, like, um, say werewolf, we talked about his behavior earlier, but like, if you're dead, the werewolf, him, you know, werewolves being kind of magical creatures, our thinking was like, the werewolf knows you're dead and he can detect you and he has a different attack for ghosts that piss him off. Like maybe he chucks projectiles at you, but like the magic that he shoots at you is only effective against, um, undead or ghosts or whatever. Right. Yeah. Something along those lines. I don't know. <laughs> So you can expect um, the current monsters in any given, well, not yet, maybe in Alpha 9, hopefully. Um, this, we'll start introducing some secondary behaviors for the current monsters that make them harder within the Realm of the Dead. So yeah, right. That should be fun. So you put, oh, you prefer dead ends for pinnacle rooms? Yeah, it's just kind of to make the pentacle rooms a little more difficult to hit in the sewer and the crypt. Um, now they're farther away. So, you know, nice. our, our intention for the game has never been for the pentacles to be a second chance necessarily. Um, or even like you're not really supposed to use them as like a corpse run. I mean, there's certain scenarios where you can, but uh, in general, I think we want to discourage that. And so putting them deeper into the dungeons makes them harder to get to and makes it so um, you have to be more skillful in order to come back to life, which is kind of our intention. Yeah. And we'll probably continue to iterate on those a lot because they're pretty um, fundamental. Like they're, sure. they're pretty important to the game and how they feel is pretty important to us. So we'll, we'll continue to work on those too. Then so I then added, as a, yeah. <laughs> then I added the blood crystal event in the crypt. So now you can actually unlock the shortcut to the crypt. Yay. Um, the blood crystal event is probably something that I'm going to iterate on, but it's a good first it's pass. 
so nasty. Have you played it? It's so hard, yeah. (laughs) It's hilariously difficult. Well, good. That's what I was going for. Hilariously difficult. Were you able to beat it? No. I only tried once, but no, it it killed the crap out of me. (laughs) Did you just say, screw it, and give up? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I died, and I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) No more. Get me out of here. Well, anyways, um, let us know what you think. It's... uh, Maybe it could use a nerf. We'll see. I think it, it's doable. I was playing it, and it's um, what I was really hoping. Uh, I was kind of trying to take your feedback from the slime crystal, and you were saying, I think on a few podcasts ago, or maybe it was just in person, but you were t- telling me about how the slime crystal is really hard at first, and it'll probably just destroy you the first couple times you go in there. But once you kind of figure out like where to be, uh, you can you can defeat it pretty easily. Yeah. And I was trying to make the blood crystal vent so there was no particular place you could ever just sit and like shimmy back and forth. Yeah, you accomplished that. So what I was trying was I was I was looking for that sweet spot where you because you can totally do that in the slime crystal encounter. You can just kind of cheese it where you just you hang left and then when it's about to fire you hang right and then you you just shoot at them whenever you're on the axis. You just or the whole time if you've got the analog controller. Um, so once you know what to do, it's a relatively easy encounter. Um, but with Blood Crystal, I was looking for that sweet spot where I could just like hang out here, but it doesn't exist. And <laughs> everything that you're trying to hang out near to, you know, avoid, they're moving. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot to juggle. Uh, I think it's really good. Okay, great. <clears throat> I don't know for sure if it's too hard or not. Like, I, uh, It might be a little too hard. Uh, it's interesting. I'm thinking no so far, but oh, cool. I want it to be really challenging. We're talking too about like we have a ticket for making the crystals um, multiple steps. So it's like because like right now the way the game works is you can you could uh, like an expert player could start in the cemetery, rescue the shopkeeper, re- rescue everybody, and destroy all the crystals and like unlock almost everything in one playthrough. And we want to make that not possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean no one's gonna do that, especially if you've never played a game quite like this before. Like you're gonna die a whole whole lot. Um, but we do kind of <laughs> want to put up you know, some multi-step things in, in that mix. Anyway. Um, one of the interesting changes that I made for the blood crystal event, this is actually a kind of a global change to the way that the ring spawner works, but, um, oh, there's yeah. basically, I know, oh, huh? I know what you're going to say. It aims at you. It aims at you, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. actually one of the fundamental changes that made it so you couldn't just sit there. So, uh, the, the previous ring, like the, the ring projectile, it would just shoot out like a, a bunch of projectiles like in a set pattern but but now like this tweak that you made uh it does that same thing where it shoots at a ring but there's always one aimed directly at you so you can't right. just like find the holes in the ring and hang out there <laughs> right yeah. it's really good i like that a lot awesome yeah I, I was like when i stumbled upon that i was like oh this is so good <laughs> <laughs> it is it's really good <laughs> love it um and then because of the deletion of running um i decided to buff all the rangers gear so that it is more awesome now so it gives you more of a speed boost and it's pretty um significant once you have all the pieces so it's like a compensation for um not being able to run anymore right so if you're the kind of player where you're like oh i really want to be able to move fast then go collect rangers gear man i'm looking forward uh i mean i hope this happens i I hope some some people care about trying to get a really great speed run because like i love watching spelunky speed runs and stuff and it'd be really interesting to see people find strategies for speed and crypt run because we offer 
speed buffs, but we also offer damage buffs. And so with monsters being something that you have to deal damage to over time and them being blockers of the door, I'm really interested to see if it's like, if there's going to be a sweet spot where like you need to have a certain, you need to be able to deal a certain amount of damage, but you also need to be able to move at a certain speed to get a good speed run. Right. Anyway, like we offer a lot of different tools. And so I'm interested in seeing people combine those tools to find the most optimal path. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I think um, um, I really want to get to the point too where we uh, have the engineer quest done, and then people can start off with like say the compass or the map, and I think that'll be a huge boon for speed running. Yeah, it definitely will, definitely. Um, so I've been on a big cutting spree. Like anything that we can cut right now, if it's even if it's kind of crappy or not quite done or whatever, unless it's something that you know we're planning on and we think it's, it'll be good, like cut it. So I cut. I cut the dark mushrooms. I cut the dark spore. I, apparently, there was a rat in the game. <laughs> I cut the rat. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, organized some stuff. And then I went through and I was like, yesterday I was trying to, um, I was trying my best to get us below 200 tasks in Asana that we have to do. And we were at like, I don't know, 212 or something. And uh, so I started banging out some small art tasks like um, new art for eyeball blast, new. Uh, mushroom spores new bone pile which is i think the biggest improvement and um yeah i i couldn't do it i couldn't get down below 200 i did like a i don't know half dozen or so i really like the new mushroom spores thanks yeah they look a lot better it's interesting because like when you put something into the game sometimes it's close enough that you just don't stop caring and that was one of those things that was on the, it was on the border to me. Cause I was like, yeah, we could ship with that. But like that graphic is not at all what I would have intentionally designed for that, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, does it, did it need to be done? No, like we could have shipped without it. But anyway, it, I knew it wouldn't take long. So I just did it. I actually really like the approach you took to these, uh, these ball graphics initially is that you created all these little projectile balls of various colors and patterns or whatever. And you stuck them in a file. Yeah. And then as we created content, I've just been like, okay, I'm going to use the green, dark green ball for this and the purple ball for this other thing. And like, right. they're just, they're good enough. And then you can come back and make them better as needed. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of the times, whatever is good enough is, yeah, just ship with that, you know? Um, right. So that's what I did actually recently. I went through and like, I looked at which balls we were using <laughs> and which we weren't. And I cut the ones we weren't and I kind of reorganized them and shifted them around. Um, and now the only current problem that I kind of want to fix is that some entities um, use the same projectile graphic for different projectiles that have different speeds and different you know damage they deal and stuff. And like mm-hmm. I would like it if each entity kind of looked unique. So this this particular case is um, I think the Zoras and the Witch Lord both use purple projectiles, but they deal different damage. So I want to fix that at some point. But again, that's like a that's a should. Mm-hmm. The Zoras should spit like fish bones. Oh. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Um, uh, I was say I wanted to ask your opinion about this. The the blood crystal event, I made it so it spawns the skulls that the plants use. What do you think about that? Oh, it shoots the skulls out of the crystal? Yeah. Uh, that's a little weird. I thought so too. <laughs> Uh, I think what it, so how do you feel about the, the slime crystal? It, it's shooting green balls. Wait a minute. I don't know. I think I cut the green balls from that image. 
Actually, I bet this. I bet it uses the. Um, it, it uses the same spore as the mushroom, so it's probably just the same thing. Yeah, I cut that green thing. Uh, okay, I'm making a note. <laughs> I need to check out the slime crystal. Uh, slime crystal. Is it the right? It uses the exact same weapon prefab, so. I mean, it should continue to work. It'll just look exactly like mushroom. Yeah, so if, if you're playing Alpha house. 8 and you check out the slime crystal in the sewer, uh, you'll probably see it. The slime crystal is shooting out spores, which is not intentional. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of dug when it just looked like the crystal was shooting out, like, you know, energy. plasma or, yeah, energy stuff. Um, I was thinking maybe it could shoot crystal shards at you, but I don't know. What do you, I like what do you that actually. I made some really crappy uh, ice shard graphics, and they like did like a uh, like a pattern. They're kind of just like diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would look really cool actually. Okay, cool. I'll uh, I'll try that at some point. Nice thing I like about drawing like diamonds and crystals in general is they're so damned easy. <laughs> it's easy to make them look um, decent because it's you know it's like a diamond shape. Like <laughs> most art tools, just kind of like hey, I've got a diamond shape. I can just make it. So here you go. <laughs> here you go. It's already done easy um uh, new bone piles look really good the what the new bone piles look really good oh thanks yeah um yeah the, the original ones that we put in were never intended to to be final um basically what i did was i just i took assets we already had we already had these bone these bones that the skeletons could throw at you and <laughs> over time they either did or didn't throw them but um, so I took those and I made just a skull and crossbones, like a typical Jolly Roger looking thing. Um, and it, you know, obviously looks terrible and it wasn't what we wanted to ship with. So I've been, the nice thing about that is like, um, what happens is like over time I get to think about that a whole, whole lot, you know? So like I had a lot of time just in the back of my mind, like I'd be playing the game running around and I'd see the bone piles and like, I always knew they were placeholder. And so I had a lot of time to kind of in the back of my mind, think about how I would approach those. And so when it finally came to it and I had to do them, it, it just, it was so fast. It like, I bet the bone pile graphics took 10 minutes. Hmm. Cause it was just like sketch, 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 ink, 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 color done. Cause nice. like I already had it all built up in my head, you know, that's good. I, I like to do that a lot where I just kind of like ponder about something. I do that with like very complicated model code a lot where, you know, it'd be like, Oh, this terrible collision bug exists. So, I'm going to not yeah. work on it. I'm just going to think about it for like a week. And yeah. then, uh, then I'll come in and just fix it and it'll be pretty easy, typically. We've been working together a whole, whole lot for a couple of years now. And so I've like, um, I have a good uh, feeling for what you're doing and what you're working on. So like you'll, you'll mention like a critical bug that's like, let's say something that like a, a project manager might have been like, okay, Jeff, what's the status of this critical bug? Because like this is a blocker and it's a serious issue or whatever, right? But I'll just like hear you mention it. And then, like, what that tells me, like, I know after working with you for so long now that that means you're thinking about it. And that means that, like, any day you're going to solve it in the shower and then write it up and be done. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but that, that might be, like, three days of just, like, and, and it's not that you're not working on it. You are. You're just not working on it. Like, you're not writing code. You're just planning it in your head. Right, yeah. I kind of like to just evaluate all the edge cases because there are so many with stuff like that. You know, it's like, okay, well, mm -hmm. if you change the collision detection to do this, then some other scenario is a problem and like you know that goes on and on and on yeah and like especially with collision that's something that could like um 
it has it, it has it causes lots of bugs everywhere if it changes you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> we did something with our uh our humanoids so anything that looks like a person basically in the game um we did something where like one after they're created they then have their facing um method called which tells them which direction to face and like we're still like we made that a couple weeks ago but we're still seeing that cause problems um just because it's so f- such a fundamental thing you know hmm. uh yeah. so like just last night i think i fixed Oh, hey, that's right here. Okay, how convenient. Well, it, there's a couple things in here first. But anyway, yeah, the the frightened shopkeeper, um, I don't even know what was happening. Oh, yeah, the model didn't know he, like, it would check to see if he was frightened initially. But then since after creation, it would call facing on him, it just trumped that. So basically, oh, I just need to create a setting where he was like, okay, I'm terrified. And if he's terrified, when he tries to face in a different direction, he won't. He doesn't, right? Yeah, he'll just remain scared. So, yeah, I just... Like, things that are so fundamental like that have the potential to break a lot of stuff. Just, like, regression and all that, right? Um, so, I added a new monster to the crypt. This is one that we've been talking about for a little bit, and it's completely not done in any way, shape, or form, but uh, I wanted Ship to get it. the first pass in there so I could start iterating on it. Yeah. Um, but it's a Death Knight, and he looks like Zam, except for he's gray. Gray Zam. Pilot swapped Sam, yay. Right. Placeholder, obviously, but um, his general behavior is that he kind of patrols around, and if he sees you, um, he shouts die at you, and he has like a sound wave projectile, which at this moment is actually the eyeball blast, but someday will look different. Yep. And uh, it's pretty fast, and it travels along orthogonal axes when he sees you, and so uh, it's kind of fun so far. He just kind of walks around and... He has a pretty far range, so he'll just, like, shout, die at you, and this little sound wave will basically hit you. But um, the vision for that is that it's going to be an instant kill. Um, But the interesting thing about that, (laughs) though, is that he's only going to do that in uh, the light plane. Right. So uh, he's going to have some very different secondary behavior in the dark plane. Um, I'm going to design some death and decay area of effect things that he'll place around the room. I want him nice. to kind of feel like um, death by a thousand cuts kind of a, a creature yeah. yeah, in the dark plane. So basically, like, he won't be that aggressive towards you, but he'll be just walking around the room dropping these little, you know, essentially long-lived traps. And uh, if you let him kind of wander around, he'll start filling up the room with this crap, and then it'll impede your ability to move around and stuff. Right. So I'm looking forward to working more on that guy. Good stuff. I think uh, behaviors changing when you go into the dark plane is a uh, big win. I think so, too. And that's we kind of touched on that earlier, but that's kind of a concept we're going to try to bring to uh, as many monsters as we can in the coming weeks. Yep. Um, then I took a pass at just general crypt composition um, in terms of loot and items and layouts and monsters things like that so uh in general i kind of reduced the frequency of the big monsters like ogre minotaur and fire elemental fire elemental yep um so they're a little less prominent there's a lot more death knights a lot more cockatrices um things like that i think that that still obviously needs a lot of iteration but um kind of starting the process of like we've been throwing all this crap in the crypt and now i'm starting the process of like okay Let's kind of smooth it out, spread it out, move these pieces around, make it not so crazy. Yep. 
So that's what you're talking about. Like uh, people have been complaining about the crypt is way too hard and feels kind of just tossed in. It totally is. <laughs> so now we're in, the, we're in the process of like starting to iron that out and like just take the first couple of steps towards making it feel like an actual dungeon instead of just a hodgepodge of crap. <laughs> right. Um, so two more quick fixes. Um, I centered the boomerang in the weapon UI, which is a small fix, but it was kind of interesting because I solved it uh, on the avatar level. And so now any avatar has the ability to just create a method that can put itself wherever it wants in the UI. Pretty mm. flexible. I was very pleased with that. I was afraid I'd have to do something a little more hacky than that. So what was the, what was the root problem here? I started experimenting when we did Lava Blade with, um, the concept of like a contextual method you could call on an entity. So like in an, um, it, I did that for reuse. Like, say there's a, a menu, and you'd be like, um, I want a options menu, right? And you'd say, the context is the title screen. And that might be a little different than the context is battle. Because, like, on the no. title screen, you might not want the quit option. But, on the, in, but in gameplay, you might want the quit option, right? I mean, what and was the problem that was making it so the boomerang wasn't centered in the UI to begin with? Oh, I see. Uh, it's just that the, it's an odd shape, and um, just as a little bit of... Um, a little bit of polish. I, I t- uh, when the weapon is um, put in the UI, it rotates. Um, it's rotated forty-five degrees. Hmm. So it was just like um, just the way the boomerang shape is. It wasn't centered in, after rotating. I see, because the center of the boomerang is probably like at the apex of the curve, right? Yeah, right. So it's just a little wonky. Um, but yeah, that's good because now, like, let's say we have a weapon that's really giant. Like, for example, the uh, I don't know the slord. That, that really big slow sword that might be too big for the um the box there so now we have the ability just like no problem just create a method on there and scale it or something oh interesting yeah that's good yeah very flexible lord <laughs> lord yeah well, we'll maybe do something with that eventually um last but not least i tweaked the guts effect it was very just kind of stuck in um and it was like the particles were very kind of they had like a little bit of a luigi jump going on they're very floaty luigi. Uh, and so i just <laughs> Yeah, like, woo. So I just tweaked him a little bit, and uh, and that's it. Um, that's not it. No, I made some changes two hours ago. Oh wait, I need to pull then. Oh yeah. Get Actually, they're not origin. that great. Well, one of them's cool, one of them's whatever. Uh, <laughs> I fixed the uh, initial chain uh visualization for the rotating spike traps ah it was weird like when you would enter a room and and during the room transition the chains would be like going halfway across the room to some like unknown location and then Hmm. as soon as the room started up essentially when the model started sinking correctly uh they would snap to where they were supposed to be it looked really wonky so yeah that would look crazy uh fix that and then um i nerfed arrows a little bit you're talking about the arrows that come out of the wall? Yeah. Wall traps? Okay. I just nerfed their damage because, um, especially without running, they're actually very difficult to avoid. Um, so I just made it so they're a little less... What were they and what'd you change them to? They were 10. I changed them to 5. Wow. Yeah. We'll Interesting. see. Might have to yeah. revert that. Cool, cool. Uh, and then I made it so that Death Knights have red skeleton souls instead of regular skeleton souls, which nice. I think is pretty fun. Yeah, I like that. I, I didn't really think about that before, but I now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Let the kind of and more end game monsters should have more end game type souls. Yeah, and we talked about this. We're going to do this kind of a thing eventually too, where there's like a um, 
there's a, a like a benign monster that'll walk around you know it's just like maybe a boar or like a troll who's not aggressive or something and so it's an option for you to attack him and kill him and he's got a really nasty soul like this crazy nasty soul pops out so like if you're in the dark plane <laughs> you better be prepared for that right <laughs> So, uh, we do have some big changes coming up, but uh, we're, yeah, we're kind of ironing those out this week, and uh, we will let you know what those are as well. So, uh, yeah, soon. Soon big news for Crypt Run. Yeah, we're probably going to have a Kickstarter update and just some other LDG updates uh, coming this week. Yep. Uh, but that is it for this episode. We'll see you next week. I don't really listen to the podcast anymore, though, you know? I hear you. It's boring. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yep. I'm a funny guy. I'll probably use that, actually, as the uh, end of show thing. Ah, oh, 